Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Here we go then, Resurrection Sunday. And we're thinking about our identity, we're thinking about who we are, how we understand who we are, how we hold on to uh, the truth of who we are when the world feeds us with all kinds of messages that we are tempted to take our identity from. So our series, Who Do You Think You Are? You can get it all online um, in all the usual places. You can search for Burlington Audio on iTunes and find it there as well. The resurrection must surely be the single event in history that has the biggest impact on our identity. God is risen. We are alive. But I wonder if sometimes in terms of our identity, we get stuck somewhere between Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning. Jesus' death was utterly crushing for those early followers. We get a picture of how utterly bereft and confused they were. The women go early in the morning, a final act of love and devotion to uh, to uh, put spices on Jesus' body, there isn't one thought in their minds that he might be alive. It's a somber task. It's the last act of some awful process that's going on in their world. There were another two followers, the Bible tells us, that were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We assume they were going back home. They'd given up everything to follow Jesus. It had all gone wrong, and they're kind of quite plodding as they go along the road, making their way back home, completely lost by all that's happened, unable to make sense of what they've been told and of what they've heard. The rest of the disciples, of course, were just so scared, they remained hidden away for fear of uh, the Jews. Talk amongst yourselves just for 10 seconds. Boom. Thank you. So you get this picture of, of all of them just totally lost and bereft. None of them knowing what to do, how to make sense of the situation in which they've found themselves. They they put so much hope on Jesus. They'd given up the routine of their lives. They'd perhaps given up some of their material possessions. They'd certainly given up some of their standing in the community in order to find themselves uh, aligned with Jesus. They laid everything, believing that he was the Messiah, quite literally the liberator, the the rescuer, the one who would usher in a, a new kingdom of God's rule and reign. And yet they'd seen all their hopes with Jesus nailed to a Roman cross. It was as if the might of the religious establishment, the Jews, was too much for their dreams. As if the might and the army of Rome was too powerful for what they had believed in. And there on the cross, their dreams died with them. And so we read about those on the road to Emmaus, how they kind of dragged their feet with a sense of longing. We'd hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Feel their disappointment for a moment, their sense of despair, their disorientation as they make their way home bewildered and dejected. No longer the people 
that they thought they were. And isn't that so often our story? We've put our hopes and our dreams into something or someone only to see them slip away, perhaps almost as quickly as they were built. A week ago, they were walking with Jesus into Jerusalem with the sound of cheering of the crowds and the applause of many. They were on the winning team. They were about to take the world by storm, but now, slowly and in bewilderment and in silence, they trudge those same steps back out of Jerusalem along the road to Emmaus, all the way back home. And their identity went with them. And that's what happens with us so often, isn't it? We put our hope in something or someone, and somehow who we are gets caught up in that something or in that someone. And when it all goes wrong, it's like something's gone wrong with us and in us. We've had a new job, a new project, a new opportunity. But for us, it becomes much more than a new job. It becomes something of who I am, much more than a new thing to do. Something of of my personhood gets sucked into that particular job and that particular role. Our identity gets caught up and then it comes crashing down when these things fail or don't work out the way that we thought they would. So here are people utterly confused now about who they are. They thought they were Jesus followers. They thought they were on a mission that was to change the world. They thought they were on the winning side. But now they've got no idea who they are. They're lost and bereft and confused as to who they have become. The resurrection of Jesus takes us from that confusion to certainty. Because he's alive, confusion in our lives about who we are and what we're about has to give way to certainty. Confusion gives way to certainty. Because he's alive, that pit of bewilderment, I can now leave. That longing, that raft of questions about my identity can suddenly be put to bed again. When you thought you knew what your life was about and found it all stripped away, Jesus's resurrection brings a sense of certainty in the midst of our confusion. And I love the way the two guys that raced to the tomb how their story is told. Two guys are racing to the tomb, one's faster than the other, and and the one who gets there first suddenly has cold feet. First off the mark, I'll get there, I'll have a look. He gets to the edge of the tomb and he suddenly panics. Have you ever rushed off and then panicked? And he's there at the edge of the other guy, a little slower, a bit more of a plodder, gets there in the end, he goes straight in to have a look. And we're seen with this picture of this man outside full of questions about what might be going on inside that tomb. And with his head full of questions, he slows the pace right down. And then it says, finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. The gift of the risen Jesus is certainty in the midst of all of our questioning. There are millions of unanswered questions, but of this you can be sure. He said, I saw and I believed. 
And a bit later on, Jesus was a blessed of those who haven't seen in that way and yet have still believed. Jesus said, I am the way. Whatever confusion you are facing right now, however much you find yourself unable to answer the identity questions about your life, whatever you are wrestling with, Jesus says, I am the way out of all of that confusion. And in their bewilderment, he appeared to them and they rose to live again. And one of the things that those early followers faced was not just confusion, but a sense of powerlessness. Events were out of their control. The Jews, the Romans, they seemed to have all the power. The disciples, powerless, unable to do anything about the circumstances that seemed to be towering above them, tossed around by all kinds of waves. And we get that. There's no one here who hasn't found themselves in a situation where circumstances seem to be beyond them and against them. Where circumstances seem to be overwhelming. When they they can't do anything to change the situation, they just get thrown about within it. The unexpected news the diagnosis, the bill you cannot pay, whatever it is, when circumstances overwhelm us and make us feel powerless in their wake. We feel like we're nothing more than victims of a life that's spiraling somehow out of control. But the gift of the risen Jesus was purposefulness instead of powerlessness. He gave them a purpose that they believed that they had lost. A global purpose, a a massive mission. And as soon as news of the resurrection reached their ears, there was the same command all the time. Go and tell. There's something to do now. There's something to live for. There's a mission to engage in now. Go and tell. And I'm always struck again by those two on the road to Emmaus that would have kind of waddled their way home with an utter sense of bewilderment and despair. How suddenly when they see the risen Jesus, everything changes and they kind of race back to the city. They get up and returned at once to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those with them assembled all together. Suddenly there was something to live for. Suddenly there was a mission that in the end they would die for. Suddenly All over again, there were people to see, planes to catch, and a worldwide mission to engage in. And speaking of this newfound purpose, Jesus writes towards the end of his life, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We're not powerless. We have the biggest purpose on earth. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Little cheer from the people of God. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. A little motivation for the people of God. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they'll drive out demons and they'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on people who are ill and they will get well. So they get a sense of purpose. A momentum. A movement. An adventure to live for. So many people are trapped in contrast. In a cycle of purposelessness. goes a bit like this. You go to work, earn a bit, pay the bills, do the shopping, tidy the house, repeat. Go to work, earn a bit, pay the bills, 
do the shopping, tidy the house, repeat, variation, go to work, pay the bills, do the shopping, tidy the house, play Candy Crush, repeat, <laughs> go to work, earn a bit of money, pay the bills, do the shopping, tidy the house, watch five episodes of a Netflix drama, repeat. There is a dynamic, life-giving adventure that we are called to embrace. And when they met the risen Jesus, they had a purpose like they'd never had before. So much so that just a few weeks later, some of the guys preaching about Jesus and healing in his name would be hauled before the same Jewish authorities that had put Jesus to death. And the Jewish authorities said, you've got to stop all this nonsense about Jesus. And they said, my paraphrase, we will never stop. And they went back home to the people and they didn't say, oh, we're dead scared because the religious people are getting cross and we're all getting into trouble. They prayed something absolutely amazing. They prayed, God, we're going to think about their threats and all the same, we're going to speak your word with great boldness. So God, stretch out your hand, heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And no wonder the place in which they were sitting was shaken and everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Honestly, we can be tired, lethargic, even depressed because we've got nothing to live for. Because we're going round the cycle. We were made for adventure. Imagine in the old days, the hunter-gatherer days, when every day you had to go out and hunt for your meal. The adrenaline would kick in. You were stretched. You were energized. There was something you had to go after. We were made like that. It's not quite the same in Lidl. (laughs) Unless you take the security guard out, which makes it a little more interesting. The stuff we were made for. We were made for this adventure. With God, the thrill, the adrenaline. One of the fastest growing addictions amongst young people is energy drinks. If you take an energy drink on your way into school, it makes you feel like you're going into school with a lion chasing you. That's what it does. Kicks in all your adrenaline because we were made for that sense of adventure. And going to school, quite frankly, doesn't hack it. So we recreate it in our brokenness. And it's the fastest addiction. And if we're not careful, young people will not be able to do normal things unless they have this adrenaline rush, this sense that a lion's chasing them all the time. And it's bad and it's wrong, the addiction. But it comes from this way that we were made. We were made to live for something more than going to work, earning the money, paying the bills, doing the shopping, tidying the house, bit of candy crush, going to work, paying. So much more. And these powerless disciples who had thought in the moment between Good Friday and Easter Sunday that the circumstances of the world were sweeping over them, suddenly because they met Jesus, rose up and said, No, we're not powerless living under the circumstances. In the name of Jesus, we're powerful to speak the word of God with boldness and to see miraculous signs at the hands of people of faith. But to be honest... Sometimes life just overwhelms us. You see, life is not just going to work, earning the money, paying the bills, doing the shopping, tidying the house, repeat. Sometimes life is harder than that. It's going to work or perhaps not having any work to go to. It's earning the money or perhaps not earning enough. 
paying some of the bills, living with a sense of anxiety, doing shopping with money you don't know that you've got and worrying about that and then tidying the house that you're trying to keep and then repeat. And then suddenly there's a tragedy. Who, who in here has not had a tragedy in their lives? Suddenly in the midst of that ordinariness some, comes some crashing blow that throws our life completely off course. Hey, these guys knew what it was for a tragedy to totally interrupt them in their tracks. When the women go to the tomb, they are overwhelmed with all that's gone wrong. They have heavy hearts and tear-stained faces. They've lost everything, given it all for Jesus, and now lost everything for him. But the amazing truth about the resurrection is that even tragedy needs to give way to triumph. Even tragedy needs to give way to triumph. Now, I don't want in any way to diminish, to undermine, to belittle a tragedy that you faced under the shadow of which you feel like you're still living or a tragedy that you feel you're in right now. But I do know this. Even the greatest tragedy in the name of the resurrected Jesus gives way to triumph. Even the biggest tragedy gives way to triumph. Even the darkest night gives way to a bright new dawn. Even the awfulness of Good Friday gives way to a resurrection Sunday. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross there could not be described a greater tragedy that God himself should come to earth to love to bless to save and heal and we nailed him to a cross that's what we do to good people there could not be something more awful yet or but depending on which version you're reading from in the English but God raised him from the dead Wherever there's a tragedy, in the name of Jesus, there is a resurrection. And I don't claim for a moment to understand it all. Don't certainly don't want in any way to simplify what happens in our lives. But time and time again, there has been something in our lives as awful as a Good Friday. And we've hung on to God even with a thin, thin, thin thread. And later on... A new day has dawned and the sun has come up again and resurrection life has given us new birth where once we could only see death. You with me? And the miracle is this, and I don't again, can't logic it all out, but the miracle of that again is this, that sometimes you will look back on a tragedy as awful as Good Friday and you will say, even in that God was at work. And if I had this whole journey again, I would not avoid that for all its pain and awfulness because it led in the name of the resurrected Jesus to this. You with me? There is a journey that takes us through the eerie silence of Easter Saturday to the glorious resurrection of Easter Sunday. And for a while, the tragedy is overwhelming. And we can't think about living with purpose. But as we allow the resurrected Jesus to meet us in our lives, tragedy must give way to triumph. Because that's the way he's made it to be. One of the other things that really messes us up in that cycle, 
You know it by now, don't you? Going to work, earning the money, paying the bills, doing the shopping, tidying the house, repeat, candy crush maybe, a couple of Netflix things just to avoid the monotony, all over again. One of the things that most overwhelms us is loneliness. There is a deep sense of being afraid of being left alone. We carry within us a sense of abandonment because we were, of course, meant to be with God and now we're without Him. So we we feel deeply this longing for something more, this utter fear of being left on our own. And that's how they felt, utterly abandoned by Jesus, utterly abandoned by the Jewish people that should have loved them and protected them, utterly abandoned by the Roman authorities that were all powerful over them. They were utterly alone. And then, these beautiful words from Jesus to Mary. Jesus in the garden said to Mary, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to, to who? To the Father, to the Father, to lives that feel like they're abandoned. If only there was a Father, to the Father. And then he rams it home. He says, go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father. You see, the resurrected Jesus means that abandonment gives way in our lives to adoption. And it's a beautiful thing. And we spent a few a week on talking just about that a few weeks ago. A Father in heaven who loves you, who longs for you, who wants you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He loves you. He longs for you. Before the service, a, a group of folk gather uh, not so much to pray, uh, but to listen. And they write down some of the things that they sense uh, God is saying to them. And, and I'm just going to read what was written. So we believe God, Father in heaven, loves us with all his heart, longs to communicate with us. Today, someone here will realize that Jesus' blood was shed for them. Implied, I think, is perhaps for the first time. Today, someone here will realize for the first time that Jesus' blood was for them. You'll know right now if it's you, because the adrenaline will be rushing around your body faster than those energy drinks. feel like there's a lion chasing you down. The Bible talks about the lion of Judah. Is he good? Yes. Is he safe? No. But he loves you. Father in heaven today just wants you to know. He's kind of stopped this whole service just to say he loves you. He's for you. And when his son died on the cross, it was for you, the son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. But even if we see our confusion give way to certainty and our tragedies to triumph and all the rest, we remain yet slaves. There is a master that however hard we try, we cannot overthrow. At best we can dodge it for a while, but death has the last laugh, the final word. What's the point of it all if death in the end will catch up with us? If in the end it swallows us up just like it promises? The gift of the risen Jesus is that death gives way to life. The message of the risen Jesus is that death itself could not hold him. Before long, the whole world, Jesus says, will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. If Jesus didn't die, then our faith is a waste of time. Everything is futile and pointless. We might as well go home now. But if he is 
alive, then everything changes. If he has blazed a trail for us to follow, if he has come to earth, gone to heaven, comes back to take me there, if we can trust him, then the whole game has changed. But for all this truth, my final question is this. Is your identity lost somewhere in Easter Saturday? Or have you pushed through to Resurrection Sunday? And in the light of the risen Jesus, are you able to say today, this is who I am. I'm certain. I'm on a road to triumph. I'm living with a purpose deep in my bones. I'm part of a family with a Father in heaven. And I know that in the end, death, even death itself, will give way to life in my experience. Right at the end of the Bible, as they reflected on all of this, they spoke to one another some words that Jesus himself gave them. And it was a reminder, really, about the way that Jesus operates. The thing about Christmas is that Jesus came to earth. The thing about the resurrection is that he came back to us. He came to them. And that's the truth of the gospel. It's not about how hard you can search to find him, although sometimes there is some searching. But the overwhelming, writ large truth is that Jesus comes to us. And they put it like this, in the words of Jesus. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. Eating being a kind of symbol of of being in close uh, relationship together. I stand at the door and I knock. I wonder if maybe for the first time or maybe for the nth time in our lives, we found ourselves lost somewhere between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We recognize all too readily that confusion and that powerlessness. We recognize all too easily the tragedy just sort of hovers over us and keeps us down. We recognize all too easily that we live with a sense of fear of being alone or abandoned. And we know that for all the effort and for all the struggle, somehow we fear that death might just swallow us all up. To the door of that heart, to the door of your heart, Jesus knocks and says, if you open, I'll come in today. And just like the Emmaus guys, they legged it back to Jerusalem. Just like Mary who rushed to tell. Just like Peter and John before the Sanhedrin a few weeks later going, we're going to do this thing for Jesus, whatever's going on in the world. So our lives change. And we go from glory into glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in the risen Jesus, we are reminded that you are bigger than our confusion, that you are greater than our tragedies that you're more certain than our abandonment, that you are life in every place we've known death. And you give us this day an adventure, a mission, a purpose to live for as we take your kingdom, your work in us, out through us, into the world. So wherever we are right now, wandering around, wondering what next, feeling lost and bewildered, Whatever has brought the Easter Saturday to our lives, we hear you knocking. And in the quietness, we allow faith to rise. You are here. You are with us. You're alive. You never let go. You've always been holding on. We've never been without hope. Your purpose is still at work today. And we worship you.